the Pinball Network is online. Launching Final Round Pinball Podcast. Player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round. Hey, how you doing? My name is Jeff Teolis. My name is Martin Robbins. This is the final round pinball podcast, episode 47. Coming off a big buzz having Jesse J on. Nice to have her on and hear her once again. Yeah, absolutely. Always a joy. You know, her podcast was great, at least half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're wondering what we're talking about, let's introduce our next guest, the other half of the now defunct Jesse J's podcast. <laughs> and I assume the reason for that, you know him, you love him, that twat known as Ryan C. Hey, Ryan, how are you? What's the difference between a twat and a twat? Uh, the country of origin. Oh, so it does mean the same thing. You're calling me a twat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, so- I'm Ryan. There used to be an airline called TWA, and uh, I always thought it would be funny if the flight attendants would go up, would you like some TWA coffee or TWA tea? And I was like, what? <laughs> There's a company in the city here in Melbourne called A&L, and they have a big sign that just says A&L, and I cannot, for the life of me, even as an adult, go past it without thinking of anal. Mm. I don't know if you have the same feeling, Marty. Do you know the one like kind of near Melbourne Convention Center? Yeah, I, I do know exactly where you mean. So uh, a, a person I used to work with, my old boss, actually, he got a new car and the number plate was ANL, you know, number, number, number. <laughs> and somebody actually cut out the letter A and put it on his <laughs> number plate. And he would drive around like that for weeks without noticing. I think we're all Arrested Development fans. And we remember when Tobias was an, an analyst and a therapist, or as his business card said, an anal rapist. Anaropus, yeah, the world's first Anaropus, which is Anaropus, or a new start when you hear um, in the in the fourth fifth season, which is Anus Tart, a new start. Uh, speaking of Anus, how are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm pretty good, man. It's uh, yeah. How long's it been? It's been it's been two months. So I guess it's time for me to come on the show and talk shit and talk pinball. I assume you're well rested. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you had a lot of people over last night. I'm assuming to play a new game. Yeah, so uh, we're on the other side of the world here in Australia, and it's- You got all- turtles! Game of Thrones just arrived. This remake. <laughs> the, 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 the originals are finally coming down in price. No, Mandalorian, it, for some reason, um, the main shipment just got, got stuck somewhere, and then they had to swap boats. I don't know, a whole bunch of excuses. The bottom line is it was on the water for four months. Um, instead of one and a half. So um, I got my limited edition and I got my pro. So my pro is for location. And I thought, well, I've got two machines. People love to compare and talk side by side. Yeah, which one's better? Is it this one or that one? I'm like, well, this is an opportunity that I've never had where I can let people play both machines in the same location, just in different rooms. And uh, yeah, so unboxed both of them and had some people over last night and... Yeah, pinball's fun. Pinball people are fun. I, I don't ask me for my opinions too much on the game because I think I just talk to everyone instead. But but what was gen- people's general consensus then? Was it the pro or the LE that's better? Yeah, I was asking people as they were leaving. They were like, see you later, Ryan. I'm like, oh, before you go, which one do you like better? 
and everyone had a very absolute, you know, binary, as you like to call it, um, Marty, response. And most people said it was the alley, except for one person. Um, I was just like, ah, oh, all, all the shots are there, you know, like, and the, and the pros, you know, pro does the job. But I guess a lot of people have been playing, like, the pro, I guess, on location, and then they would play the premium or the alley at someone's house. And it's, I guess, maybe not a fair comparison when you're playing them in two different environments and maybe potentially paying for one and, and not paying for the other. But what's apparent, I guess, is the presentation and, and, and the sound coming out, like, and, and, and the shaker motor. All these little tiny things, you know, might add, like, 5%, 10% on, like, the whole package and the experience and going from one to the other. Um, I do find, and people have talked about this, and this is old news now. No, no, this is great for November to talk about Mandalorian. This is this is good. And you set it up perfectly by saying that, you know, there was a problem on the boat. I think we saw that in the Tom Hanks movie. I think it was a shipment on the uh, Captain Phillips movie of the pinball machines going to Australia and the pirates got it. We're fine. Go on. Talk about Mandalorian. This is exciting. The the um, wire forms on the on the alley and premium versus the clear ramps on the, the crisscross ramps on the pro. They're not super duper clear and they kind of mess with your vision a little bit. I think after, you know, a little while you get, you get used to it, but I guess you don't realize you're, you're, you're missing out, even though it's clear because I guess the curvature of the ramp, like the each side, it's not clear in those points. So you're, it's obstructing a bit of the play field, but on hey, the pro, buy, yeah, on the, on the pro. Yeah. You didn't know. I've only played the pro. I've never noticed any kind of, uh, blind spots, if you will, but I, I obviously wire forms would be easier to see. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I, got, I think Godzilla comes in in about a month, so I don't know. Bullshit. I don't really have, It'll I, be there in September next year. <laughs> well, there are actually Godzillas in the country because this weekend, Pinfest is on, and in fact, Jesse J messaged me to say, I've just played Godzilla, and you know what? It's actually a lot of fun. After she shit on it all last week? Correct. I got a message from Jess yesterday and said Godzilla's a bit meh uh, after playing it. And, like, does it shoot well? Because, like, she said it's it's pretty much like Avengers. I'm like, well, Avengers is amazing to shoot. I just don't like the rules and, and the sound and everything. So if that's fine, then it'll be an absolutely amazing game. Um, and she wrote me a message just an hour ago saying, I take everything back that I said. Godzilla, and this is a quote, Godzilla is fucking sick. So there you go. That there's a There's an official retraction of the comments from last week. There was one shot, the way it resulted, that reminded me of Avengers. So in Avengers, when you go up that ramp that all three flippers can hit, it's the big right ramp. On the Pro, I think it's the one that completes your gem, the really thick ramp. When you go up that ramp, it kind of goes on a wire form and then kind of goes up before you can hit it on the upper flipper. In Godzilla, when you go through the building on the Pro and it comes out on that magnet, it does the same kind of action if it doesn't hold the ball, where it puts it kind of around and then back on the flipper. I thought it was very similar. Obviously, different results where you're going with it, but it really reminded me of Avengers. That's about it. My God, Godzilla's amazing. You played it at Pitbull Expo, Jeff? Tons and tons. And it was the first time I played it, and I even had to pick a game in a playoff. And I was like, oh, let's do Godzilla. I mean, it was pretty intuitive. It told you what to do. Everything was well lit. I don't know where the points were, but I kind of liked the shots. Yeah, it was fun. And I found the premium in LE. Flippin' Out had an LE at their site. Zach Many brought his. And there were a lot of premiums at the Stern booth. The toys are great in the premium in LE. That Mech Godzilla is pretty awesome. The rotating little uh, thing there on the right. But I didn't think the Pro was really lacking a lot. Yeah, you don't get the bridge. 
The building doesn't come down. But the game was kind of the same. In fact, the pro might have been a little harder once you had to get the Mecha Godzilla because there were some really awkward stand-ups that were difficult to hit, whereas on the Premium and the LE, I found it easier to get into Mecha Godzilla. Isn't it strange how it's the, the same title, but um, little things can make such a big difference? Like, you know, no one... And we still do it, I guess, now for... You know, or which version of Medieval Man is on Attack from Mars do you have? Do you have the original or the remake? Um, and we know the little differences, subtle, that encompasses, but um, no one ever says, oh, what what version of Dirty Harry do you have? <laughs> it's just, I, I have Dirty Harry, full stop. And you know you know the rules and the layout and everything. But yeah, having having Mandalorian side by side, um, even that the smallest little differences make, well, not the smallest little differences, but like the, the play fields, you know, keeping the, the ball up there, it's different. I'm curious, Ryan and Marty, we can continue our conversation from the last pod. You just said when you have Dirty Harry, it's Dirty Harry. It's the same rules. It's the same play field. Newer games have different versions. For the most part in the last few years, they've been pretty similar rules, maybe one added thing. I think the first time I ever noticed, oh, that's a little different than the pro, was probably Tron with Daft Punk Multiball. A lot of these games are having different rules, and to continue what we were saying last pod, now the rules are going to even change again when you can buy new code. Marty, have you thought more about this? Ryan, what do you think about this? There are so many games coming out and there's only so much brain capacity you can have. And I remember when I was really getting into pinball, like to a very hardcore level, I could absorb all of the rules because the cadence of pinball machines coming out you know, you, you could watch some streams and, you know, I kind of like knew what the general rules were and then the updates come out. So when you think about it, you're not really learning the rules once. You're learning, learning the rules, say, like five different times across, the, you know, depending on how many times they update the code. Say Guardians, for, Guardians of the um, Galaxy, for example. You can learn the base rules, but there's certain there were certain exploits. It was like grid all day, then it was orb all day, and then it was like, okay, modes and, you know, do this and do that. Um, and then... The amount of games that are coming out from Stern, I think, has increased a little bit. And then the amount of games coming out from all manufacturers have increased. And I remember listening to uh, Ron and Bruce from the Slam Tilt podcast, and Ron will always complain about not learning the rules. And I kind of, I guess I, I didn't understand it back then because I wasn't in that situation. I was like, oh, it's, it's easy. You just, you know, just learn the rules. But, and, but now I'm 100% on board with him. Like, I don't even bother to learn the rules. Like, I didn't look up anything before Mandalorian. And then I'll start to play it yesterday and and some things were intuitive but i'm just like ah this is a lot like there's a there's a lot to learn here and i don't know if i I don't know if i want to learn you have to if you want to win tournaments but to add an extra layer on top of that by like you know some dlc but who knows if that'll be included in competitions i also think that um i guess with with stern as well just about every machine in recent years i'm not looking at you monsters but has really quite complicated code. So it's not just the cadence, it's also the depth of code of each machine that's coming out that you have to understand. And probably the one that I think I still find the most confusing is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because there's lots of combinations, different turtles, different ways you can approach it. And that's just one machine and then you've got more. And then you've also got you know Guns N' Roses, Jersey Jack with its um, Keith Johnson rule set, another head fuck to try and get your head around as well. Trying to figure out those patches and what is best for each song. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can flail away for a long time. As long as you know how to complete the song, get into Encore, I guess that's pretty good. But there's different ways to blow it up. And 
I think with a lot of these games, you really have to have a lot of time on them, which basically means you need to own them because it's going to be tough to keep pumping quarters and loonies and dollars into these games to really learn them unless people are streaming. Well, I guess that's probably just reflective of the fact that most machines these days go to the home market and people do want code that's going to keep their attention for a long time. Back in the, the days when it was all on location, it didn't matter. But as I'm saying, like they're, they're all coming out with long rules. I don't know whether we've all got enough time to absorb them all. It really, it's, it's hard. You can't, we talked about this last time, I think, like who are you designing the pinball machine for? You would like to design it for everyone, but everyone plays differently. Everyone has a different brain capacity and skill set and uh, the time they want to invest into it or what they want to get out of a pinball machine. So I almost feel like some people like to say, ah, oh, yeah, I've got this like really deep game. And, you know, the tournament players, the top, the top 500 people in the world, they tell me it's a good game, so it's a good game. Uh, like they, they, they tell me like this is this is one of the good ones, but they it, it might not be the best game for them. But they they like owning the game that people they trust and know, you know, pat them on the back like yeah you got you got a good one. Versus like oh my gosh you got the you got the monsters and you like it like how how dare you uh, enjoy this this simple game? So I think there's like a, a extra layer of complexity there with just you know most people own pinball machines for themselves but there still is that factor of being part of the community and and people patting you on the back and saying cool you've got this cool game do you have any thoughts on that i'm trying to understand what you're saying ryan because you mentioned earlier avengers infinity quest and you weren't crazy about the rules there whereas a lot of players especially those top 500 players will tell you that's a good rule set and conversely you have a game like elvira house of horrors where every shot is makeable the rules are fun, and you think it's the greatest, whereas those top 500 players are like, eh, no. Yeah, I'm not saying everyone. Whose opinion is more I'm... valid, the top 500 or the majority of people? Probably the majority of people if I was a manufacturer. Well, but to it me, doesn't matter whether you're a manufacturer or whether you're a human being. Just because you've got the top 500 saying it's the best, that doesn't mean it actually is the best. It's binary, Marty. One or the other, this pick is, one. It's just... It's just not and and ryan and i have had this conversation before and i know you and i jeff it's whatever makes people happy that's the most important thing and if elvira makes people happy and the top 500 people don't like it well fuck them it's also though like you almost you have to trust someone or get someone's opinion because with the market these days everything's selling out before you see it so you kind of have to make all these assumptions anyway. It's not like this thing where you go and play a game like, oh, yeah, I think I'll walk down to the distributor and buy that on the weekend and pick it up. It's like- No, I understand that. I get that. But what, what I'm saying is like if the, the best players in the world say this machine is the best, the average player probably won't be able to play those games and get the same enjoyment out of it. So therefore, it's not a valid opinion for everyone. That's what I was I was getting at. Like the Avengers being, I hate to keep on using Avengers as an example, but Avengers being a great game for people that understand the rules and enjoy that doesn't translate. I mean, we've got a mutual friend, Marty, who bought Avengers Premium, and I had a, I had a chat to him the other day about it. Um, and I think he, I like, I got the alley before he got the premium, and he asked me my opinion, and I, I gave him a very honest opinion. And then he got his, and he really enjoyed it. And then now he's selling it, or maybe it's sold. And it ended up being a very similar opinion where it's just, you know, he just didn't find it fun. And he maybe he didn't find it fun because he didn't understand the complexity of the rules. And that's where the fun comes from. He said it was too hard. 
Yeah. Well, you just said it just doesn't, it's not as fun, unfortunately, as the other games I have, like Deadpool and whatever other games he has in his collection at the moment. So it's too hard. How does he enjoy his uh, Elvira now? (laughs) (laughs) But, but it's, I guess it's, it's not just that it's too hard to shoot. I mean, it's a, it's a good shooting game, but if you've got a complicated rule set, you're not getting fed the feel good moments that make you want to play it more. I'll say this about Godzilla. For a first time playing the game, I think I knew what I was doing. That wasn't the case for Avengers by any means. What gem am I going to pick? I don't know. Where do, they, where do you place it? What? Yeah, there's a lot of confusing things there for the first time player. And it really takes many games to kind of get a feel for it. And then, of course, difficult shots on top of that. But Godzilla, pretty well laid out. So I think Mandalorian, you know, you've got them there. I think they do a good job there. The Foundry, you got to kind of play which ones you want. The items, okay, where's my add a ball? Where's my added time? All those kind of good things. But you pretty much know where to go in that game. Where's my button mashing mode? Um, so I really haven't watched any footage of Mandalorian at all. Uh, I can't stress that enough. So I was pretty much seeing the game for the first time yesterday. And that wasn't the same for other people playing the game. They'd, they'd watched footage before. Um, so they came up to it kind of knowing how to start modes and, and um, hurry ups. And, and I always saw the, the button lit and I pressed it and it kind of did nothing. And then someone got into a multiple and he held down the button for maybe a second, which doesn't seem like a long time when you when you say one second, um, but one second with your hand away from the button is a very long time. And the flamethrower came up. And I know that probably is on the screen somewhere or on the instruction card, but that's like, that's not intuitive. Like when you see a button lit up, you want to just hit it and that's it. And it, and um, yeah, it's one of those things you just have to know. We have to see someone do. And how do you get out of ball? It's in the foundry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick it. I think it's the rifle, but you're right. But but if you if you scroll through, it will tell you. Scroll through where? In the foundry. When you cash in your, what is it, Beskar or whatever the heck they're called? the Whatever the currency is, and I'm sorry, I can't remember. But when you cash that in, you can get, uh, I think if you pick the rifle, it's the Attaball. So there you go. Okay, is that on the instruction card? No, but by the way, on Godzilla, there's an Attaball insert on the Mecha Godzilla. Just for you, Jeff. Just and how, for you. how do you light it? You select it. You 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 get to you can choose to select it. There are three you can choose. Is that is that also on the instruction card? It's the most laid out of any add a ball I've seen in a long time, Marty. Hey Jeff, how do you add a ball in Star Wars when you're in one of the mini wizard modes, like the sausage sausage mode of each of the <laughs> sausage four? Sausage mode. I know what you. Yeah, that's the sausage. It the looks sausage. Like a sausage. Yeah, yeah. I believe you have to knock the force targets down either once or twice, depending on the settings, and then hold the button for a few seconds, and that will add a ball. We could go through so many games, and I couldn't tell you how to add a ball on several, and I don't think you could either. You know, it's it's hitting pin tips right before you start a playoff or a, a match play just to kind of figure it out. I wish it was a little easier. It does matter. I know Dwight and I have had good conversations where he says it doesn't matter. Sorry, it does matter. It's low on the priority list. And he might be right, but uh, for me, that's something that's a, a big advantage. So it does matter to me. Uh, what were you getting at, Marty? What were you, Marty? What was Marty getting at there? He's being a little cheeky there. What were you well, getting? It at? wasn't. It wasn't the Da Vinci Code. Like I was being really obvious. Like you're going, oh, <laughs> edible, edible. I'm like, well, it's still confusing. So hold on, Fibonacci numbers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I'm, I, it's just my point that I, I still think that games these days are too complicated for their own good. And I think that's because 
I, look, I know, I obviously I don't know these developers and coders to know what's going on in their head, but it, to me it seems like in the past somebody would start working on a rules framework and if if it ended up being really complicated, it, it ended up being complicated. Now I think they're going into it wanting a complicated rule set and I think that takes away some of the magic of discovering good pinball rules. And if you want it more complicated, you can buy extra code too. Like Cactus Canyon. Go ahead there, Ryan. We've talked about it <laughs> off air. I hate the idea of it. I, I wish it was included. I don't like the buying model. Pay Lyman, pay Josh, include it. Who do you think is getting paid more, Lyman or Josh? It better be Lyman. No, what I was going to say is that I feel like, you know, we kind of complain a little bit about unintuitive rule sets or, or complex rules, but I think that they absolutely have to do it because... People are so, and I think we might have touched this on this last time with the uh, Willy Wonka update where they changed all the settings to be easier kind of by default. And people kind of said, well, couldn't people have just gone into the settings anyway and, and just done this? But it, the percentage of people that do it is, is so low. And I was absolutely one of these people where I would, at the start of my pinball journey, I was in the just into 90s games and that's it. And I would buy them and then I would get to the end. And then I would sell them because I'd be like, ah, oh, well, there's nothing else to do. And it wasn't until I got Attack from Mars and uh, I ruled the universe. And I was like, that, that was so much fun that I don't want to sell this game. And I just want to make it harder. And I progressively made it harder and harder until ruling the universe was like, you know, that one in 500 kind of game. But I still don't do it to other games. And, and that's all it is. Like some games need to be complex because of the, the layout. Some games need to be simple but if your skill set is you're in the top 100 players versus you're pretty average at, at pinball the same game can like get away or, or whatever it is like you can have in your collection for a long time and it can be challenging but you have to toughen it up but people don't do that it's just like it comes out of the box and people usually just play it as it is and if it magically suits their play style then they'll enjoy it if it doesn't they get rid of it but the the point of the manufacturers is that they want to sell pinball machines to as many people as possible. And that doesn't mean just like the one machine. They want to sell machines to people that love them so much that they'll buy the next title. So who are you coding it for? I mean, well, you have to like it, but also can't be so easy that you pass it on before you're manufacturing the next game or you finish the run. Like the secondhand games, you know, it'd be great for manufacturers if secondhand games weren't available until they stopped making the game. And that would allow them to keep on selling that game. But if, if the market is flooded with the secondhand game because it's too easy or the game is shit, then that pretty much holds sales, right? Well, it just well it doesn't matter at the moment because everything seems to sell out regardless. And prices seem to be going up. I think I saw, we were talking about Cactus Canyon, the remake here is going for what, Ryan? Um, the <laughs> limited edition is going for pretty much 17,000 Australian dollars, which <laughs> isn't really equivalent to, I know like we joke about like, ah, oh, one American dollar equals a billion Australian dollars. He, he, he. No, it's, um, it's not that much. It's, a, it's like 20% more or something. But if you do a direct translation of the 9,250 US dollars, I think it is to Australian dollars, there's a, there's a, there's a decent couple thousand dollar markup there and it doesn't matter because they're all sold out. So if <laughs> it's funny because all, I guess all the US distributors had to sell it at retail price, but no, they didn't. No, that's not true. 
Okay. That was suggested. And because of the number of games they got, they could dictate the price. First of all, are you getting one? I put my name down because I was curious. I'm like, well, if Josh and Lyman are going to be involved, I would I would love to maybe have an LE and, and see what that's like. But I don't know how much that code is going to cost. And I wanted to leave a, a buffer, maybe like a one and a half, two thousand dollar buffer for the code. I have no idea how much it's going to cost. By the way, this is not inside information. But at $17,000, that means that at a $2,000 buffer, it would be $19,000, which I'm not <laughs> paying for a fucking Cactus Canyon. Like, you know, sometimes sometimes your mind might play tricks and you're like, oh, should I? Should I, I guess I can get my money back. And it's like, no, that's a fucking car. Like, Let's break this down. You're not getting it. If it had been the 92 or 95 US price translated into Australian dollars, add 20%, we're looking $12,000, $13,000. I'm guessing you probably would have bought that. Right? Sure. In the in the heat of the moment, like you get the that little window of where you're like, Oh man, new pinball machine, gotcha. this will make this will make me happy. Yeah. Okay, so you would have bought that. Yep. The dealer is setting their price, the distributor, and they realize they can sell it for probably seventeen and it'll be sold out. Are you sensing that this is not a model you like with the distributors? Because distributors have been watching for the last few years LEs be gobbled up instantly. I can't remember the last time an LE wasn't sold out instantly. Probably, it's not an LE, but it was probably Beatles. And they were selling them at the suggested retail price. And even before the games were delivered, you would see them on the marketplaces, Pinside, wherever. Here's my spot. Here's the price. And funny enough, there was two or $3,000 added to that. So now the distributors are going, well, why am I selling LEs to these people that are flipping them when I can just do that? Why can't I get a piece of that pie? Especially when inventory is low. And yes, the popularity is huge for pinball right now, but it's like car dealerships. Yeah, people want to buy cars. There are no cars. People want to buy pinball machines. There are no pinball machines available. I talked to five distributors at Expo. Nobody had any inventory. Nobody. And major distributors. So now the distributors are getting a few of these machines and they're, some would say, price gouging, but people are paying for that. And, you know, it hit your limit, but you also did buy a Mandalorian LE and a pro with, I'm guessing, the idea that you were going to flip that LE. If I was going to flip it, then why did I unbox it? You can still sell it whether it's unboxed. That means nothing. Well, as in like play it and, and, and sell it? I mean, like I, I bought... You're going to put your pro on location. No, I get that. That's going to be your earner or you're going to rent it or whatever you do. But that LE is in your home collection or you're going to rent it out or you're no, probably going to flip it. it. It's, it's- no, Ryan's not an intentional flipper. He has flipped some games, but I know Ryan well, I don't think buys, he is either. He buys them to keep them, but it's kind of like me in a way that kind of gets a bit, well, plays them to death and then has his fix and then moves it on. Yeah, it's not a it's not a quick flip. I'm not suggesting that with you, Marty, or with you, Ryan, because I've never known you guys to do that. And the only time is, oh, I didn't like this game. That was the reason. That's it. Yeah, I've been offered like thirty thousand dollars for my Tron LE that I I bought for ten thousand dollars, and I I didn't take it. I sold my Avengers LE for the exact same price that I that I got it. Sorry, this isn't the Ryan moral story. This is why why are you framing me like that? I, I, I'm telling you. Okay, I'll tell I'll tell you why. I I'm making it. a point. I bought it because I bought the Mandalorian LE because I like buying things that I know I have a very, uh, like I'm risk averse financially in that way that I know that I should be able to get my money back, maybe plus or minus a thousand dollars. That's why it's the, it's the, it's the confidence of everything. This isn't about you. This is about the market. This whole thing is about the market. My observation is that pinball for you, Marty, Ryan, myself, many people listening, it's a hobby. 
but it's not becoming a hobby anymore. Pinball is becoming all about commodities, buying and trading and flipping. And that's what we're seeing with these LE models. That's probably what we're seeing with Cactus Canyon, whether it's through the distributors, whether it's a marketplace. It's very scary right now. No, and- Jeff, Jeff, you're seeing it, but you're not seeing it a lot. There's a couple of people that are doing it. No, 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 no. No, are there like 500 people flipping their LEs? Out of 1,500? Quantify it. It's not that many people that are buying them to flip. There probably is more than there has been before, but it's still the vast majority of people are buying these machines to play them. I think that's a bit of scaremongering. Mm, the price keeps going up. We keep seeing them on the marketplace. Things are available. I remember asking Dr. John, did you get an LE of whatever it was? No, you can always get one later. Sure. Again, people aren't buying these to save them. I've had a few talks with some of the distributors and stuff, and that's kind of what people, I mean, Ryan certainly opened up Mandalorian, but there are a lot of people that aren't doing it. I'm not saying it's the majority, like you suggest, Marty, but, or like you, you, you know. But you're just saying that it's, you're saying it's so prevalent. Well, it's not. It's just, we, we see it and we are angry at it, but it's not. The Fear of missing out. Yeah, but. What I'm saying is it's not as widespread as you're making it out. You don't think it's gotten worse in the last few years? Come on. Yeah, it has. It's probably gone from five people to 20 people. Bullshit. No way. Here's a dumb thing. The alley version of a game is purely cosmetic. Like, you can buy the premium and have the same thing. And Stern yes. know that. Stern want people to buy the alley, but they don't want to make the alley so fucking good that people are like, well, I refuse to buy the premium because I'm not going to get the same experience. Like that whole Ryan, Dark Pokemon thing is, yes. You gave me shit because I'm buying an Avengers premium. And you said, I'll get the LE. Premiums don't go up in the market as much. You purposely told me that. And I was like, what? I don't, I want to play the game. I'm not buying it to flip it. And it's the same game as the LE and a lot less price. That's because you had the option of buying it. You, I'm saying if you, I'm talking about people who miss out on buying the LE which includes me as well. I, I refuse to buy, you know, a, a premium because I'm not going to get the same experience. They're not. They want the LE because they want to feel like they have the best. They want to feel like they've maybe got something that that holds their value a bit more. But if they're buying it for what people write, it, it, say in, in air quotes, the right reasons, which is bullshit because you, your reason for buying a pinball machine could be anything you want. It's yeah, it's the same game. That whole Elvira thing. It's just it's just fucking armor and you know. A hundred and ninety nine sold out pretty much instantly. Ridiculous twenty thousand plus prices. You telling me this isn't a commodity business anymore, Marty? Oh no, of, of course it is. And manufacturers know what they're going to get for their money. And we had a conversation during the week, and I had very similar sort of clap back at you as I just did previously when you're like, you know what? My bubble's going to burst. Oh, is that, what is it? Do you actually have any evidence to suggest that the bubble is going to burst? History. No. When, when, did it, when did it burst last time? I'm just talking about anything that we're supply, with supply and demand. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean you've- Once we get those computer chips again. doesn't mean you've got evidence to say that it's going to burst. Do you think this is going to go on forever and ever? People are going to be fed up after a while. Like, okay, $40,000 for a fucking LE? I'm not doing that anymore. But I think, but I think what you're sure, saying sure is- Stone has a, a roadmap. Like, they're not like, we're just going to keep on raising the prices and we'll just fucking see what- like, and, and we won't adjust based on supply and demand. Like, I'm pretty sure they have people sitting there mapping everything out. And mm-hmm. if they push it too far or if they start offering shitty titles that people don't want, they're not going to try and- you know, might, they might have like one bad game, like the you know, Beatles. They might like, okay, and now, now Wait we a readjust. Second. Gary Stern himself has said every single game, every model is underpriced. 
even today, even after all the price increases. So I agree. Yeah, you're right. How far can we push this? How many models did we sell at this price? How many did we sell at this price? I, I get all that. And I'm just telling you, there is a limit. Yeah, th- sure. But but what I'm saying to you, every, and, and a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it's going to crash and there's going to, the bubble's going to burst. No, but the, the point is, what, what everybody is hoping is that the bubble bursts. That's actually what people are hoping. So the price comes down, then all of a sudden, everybody can afford machines again. It's wishful thinking. It's not going to burst. It will slow. I don't think machines will come down in price, but no, I, I don't just, either. I just I think they, they, there will be a market correction at some stage. Yes, but no, no, no. I get that. But the the point I was I was saying to you was when all these people are saying, "Oh, the bubble's going to burst," what you're really saying is, "Don't buy these machines because you're going to lose money." Well, you don't know that for fact. No, I think I think if you're buying an LE and expecting to make three, four thousand dollars on it before you've even opened the box, that number is going to shrink and shrink and shrink. And oh shit, when? I'm just getting exactly when I don't know what. But it's it's just it's it's scaremongering until you've got facts that no. say it is it is you don't know that it's going to happen. We we all expect it to, but we don't know. Sorry to throw somebody under the bus, and I wish they were in this conversation. <laughs> it's Do you know who agrees one hundred percent with me. Who's that? Josh Sharp. Does he have facts? Well, he's the CFO of fucking Raw Thrills. Cool. So I would imagine he also has these models. And we had a long conversation about this. About, yeah, it's strike right now while it's hot. It will eventually not be this hot. It will come down. I don't know when. I think what Marty's trying to say, Jeff, is that when it comes down, it's like you're using the word burst, like it's going to be like back down to $6,500. Like no, the, the correction saying. might only be well, like. Well, if I five, used it, I, 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 that's not what I meant. I meant there'll be a time. When a company will put out a game like Elvira 40th anniversary and they'll be like, oh, that didn't work. 199 at 25,000 or whatever it is. Oh, we missed that one. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, we are still living in a post and still in COVID world high end. And we are still feeling like the aftershocks of people's financial situations, which has made them more liquid. Therefore, they've been able to purchase things. And it's not just pinball. Like we know it's not just pinball. It is in a lot of um, markets at the moment where prices have gone absolutely crazy, particularly the secondhand market. So it's not it's not just pinball machines, but I don't see that this is really going to have a material impact on pricing until the final shockwaves of COVID are over financially. I have one more thing I want to say about this, and it's that the moment you enter pinball as a hobby, as a buyer... That's where your baseline usually is. When I bought my first machine, which was Indiana Jones, I bought it off a guy called Dave and I was working with him and I'm like, hey, you rotate machines around a lot. When it's time to sell the machine, can I have first tips on it? And he's like, cool, I'll give it to you for like what I got it for. And in my head, that figure was three and a half thousand dollars. And then when I went to pay, like, it was like, he's like, I'm ready to sell it to you. It was five and a half thousand dollars. I must have just like made up the figure in my head. Um, there's no way. But I was like, okay, well, I, guess, I guess that's how much it, it costs back then. And then you then you see Indiana Jones going for six and a half and seven and eight, and then you compare it to the baseline of when you entered into the market. And now Indiana Jones go for like fifteen thousand dollars here or so. What we haven't talked about, and because we've all been in the hobby a decent amount of years, is that COVID also brought a lot, a lot of new 
buyers into the market and their baseline is whatever the fucking RRP, like the retail cost is. They're like, okay, well, I guess new pinball machines cost $15,000. That's a lot of money, but I guess that's what it costs. So they don't have like the, oh man, I used to get the fucking Lord of the Rings new in the box out of the factory for $3,500. And like, they, they, the bomb hasn't increased. Like, they don't have that experience. There's no knowledge of that. There isn't like 10 years worth of history of seeing prices go nuts. It's just they're new to the hobby. This is how much it costs. And I'm sure you guys have done the same when you ring up a, to get a quote on how much blinds cost or an air conditioner to get fixed like you don't know how much it was 10 years ago it's just if you're doing it for the first time i called josh from loser kid to ask about air conditioning prices so i do know those prices thank you very much congratulations anyway. that, was, that was a good joke you fucking <laughs> i'm just gonna take the laugh there and use that as <laughs> he would have laughed if it were so why pinball companies are so smart nowadays is because they realize things like licensing will attract new audiences. So they don't know what the prices were years ago when they see a theme that they really love. I, I've got to have that. I think the first time I ever really realized how important this was, was Supreme. Like really, a no-frills game, shitty art, gobbled up instantly because of that <laughs> Supreme model and, and the way the buyers are. Again, fear of missing out. We saw what happened with the Museum of Pinball in Banning and that ridiculous fucking auction. And people, I've got to have that. It's museum quality. It must be worth this. And prices went for probably, across the board, double what they were worth. But again, a lot of those, I would imagine, were new pinball buyers because of the marketing of that auction and really brought people into a hobby they maybe didn't know much about. So yeah, there are audiences out there. I mean, that's... Is the bubble going to burst? No. Is I think they're still finding new audiences out there. Pinball is such a small, small community, but the buying public is a lot bigger, and we've got to find more people that might be interested in pinball, and I think the pinball companies do a great job with licensing and with marketing to get these people to come to our hobby. We've been talking about this for about 30 minutes, and I think it's because I saw the announcement the other day that, um, you know, considering, you know, Valhalla, uh, you know, Legends of Valhalla was said to be like a certain amount of units and then they just like, ah, we're doing more. And then Cactus came in and they're like, hey, if you didn't buy the LE, you get the topper. Um, did you see that the, like everyone that buys Fathom now gets the, the extended code now? Did you see that, Jeff? Is this true? <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless it is true, Marty, please don't tell me you can do that. Don't say bullshit about Haggis. I got a fucking Haggis guy with me the whole time. First of all, I love Haggis. What do you mean? What do you mean? You're saying like the, the non-mermaid edition. Was that the joke that you're saying it, that it now comes with the code? I'm just saying you can do whatever the fuck you want, Marty, because it's like it's the Wild West out there. You can just say you're going to do something and just make more or, or offer it to everyone. Like you, Ryan, yeah. how dare you think my Josh air conditioning joke fell flat from the loser <laughs> kid and you fucking pull that? Give me a break. Okay, um, this is where it's difficult for me to, to be a commentator on a podcast and also work for a, a, a pinball company. But I will try and dance around my point by saying that they are conversations that we have all the time when we witness other companies doing it and we just stick to our guns. This is what we said we would do for customers and this is what we're going to do. We're not going to change it. About those things you mentioned, Cactus Canyon selling that topper for the people that buy the regular edition, I think that's a great idea. That is a cool-looking topper. I mean, that's one thing that company does very well, whether it's Attack from Mars, all of their games, Monster Bash. It's not the point, Jeff. The point is making people buy something. Not making people. 
advertising. I'm sick of limited editions. Can... I'm sorry. I am. I'm sick. I mean, if people want to buy it, get it. I mean, I, I think they're leaving money on the table. If they only did 1,000 of those toppers or whatever the number was, that's leaving a lot of money on the table. Look at how much people bitched about not getting that UV kit. I know you all got it in Australia. The UV kit for Stranger Things, which really makes the game pop. And you couldn't get that anymore? Sell the things. Sell more toppers. I don't get. I don't get that. I mean, I I could give two shits about toppers. This one's kind of cool. This one in Cactus has a shooting gallery and it's interactive. All right, I got to say it's one of the better toppers I've ever seen. I could care less about toppers, but if people want them, sell more of them. Isn't it crazy how that was just what two or so years ago the Stranger Things and the reason why the UV kits were included in the Australian batch, I believe, is because they wanted to encourage sales because it was such a poor selling title. Um, and it wasn't just on like the, it's on every model. Like if you bought a pro, you would get a free UV kit. That's not going to happen again. <laughs> like, that's, that was just two years. That's how much shit yeah. has changed in the last two years. And the Valhalla thing was because they announced it at 6 p.m. Eastern, which means Europe was in bed. Australia was just waking up. The distributors kind of missed the opportunity. They didn't see it coming. So they had demands for another, I guess, 200 of those. So that's why, that's why they increased it again. I'm fine with that. Well, so this is the whole thing, okay? I just would like to, you don't, we don't have to go on this for a long time, but a lot of people were up in arms. Like, I bought one when there's 300 and now there's 500. Fuck off. What is the actual <laughs> difference? Like, I just like, want to know, what is the difference? If Cactus Canyon said tomorrow, you know what? We've got demand for 2,000 limited editions. Good for you. Get more of them out there. Yeah. Well, I remember Hobbit when there was the limited edition, which was limited to, I think, 1,500 units. But then there was the special edition, which was a higher sure. model, which had no known limit. No number. Mm. The small so, edition, which was... It, that, <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Elvira, you thought you were buying a limited edition? No, here's a 40th. We put a little different paint on it. Call it what you want. So Cactus Canyon, if they've got 500 or 1,000 more sales, come out with the, the Gunslinger edition or something. Who cares? So really what I'm asking is... With, with the companies that have done this, because they're, they're examples, so Hobbit, they've done it, Wizard of Oz, they've done it, probably other models, and CGC did it. Vaults. You know, all that kind of stuff. So everyone everyone that's up in arms about it says pretty much, I say everyone, I'm obviously being a bit too generalist here, but I'm like, oh, that is terrible. You know, I'm going to take my money elsewhere and that company's mm-hmm. going down. Really? Boo-hoo. Is that really what's happening here? Or are the companies actually getting away with it? Are those the people buying it for a commodity? Maybe. Oh. It's ba- I think it's bad blood, but is it actually turning people away? No, because the demand is there yep. and they can sell more of these things. I think there's always that fear of, okay, we're going to put out 3,000 limited of these games and then they don't sell 3,000, so they probably do a safer number and go under. I'm waiting for Guns N' Roses to sell out at, at, at 5,000. I think that would be... I, I have no idea what the number is at. But Eric said they will. Yeah. Limited edition. Uh, that's, fuck it. that's when it's a commodity, man. You made a good point, Jeff, about like... Or was oh, it thanks. Money? I can't remember. <laughs> it would have been me if you said good point. Yeah, about people saying like, well, I, I'm out. Like it, it usually doesn't happen even when they're like, I'm going to do uh, like Elvira. If you're on the back order for it, it's now going to cost this much more. And uh, you can cancel or you can pay the extra. Um, and I think we, I actually got an email about Godzilla because um, they advertise it. I'm not sure if anyone in Australia is talking about this, but they advertise it for a certain price. After the, the price hike and, you know, with the current Australian dollar, 
and they advertised it and then people bought it and then they wrote an email saying like and it wasn't like hey sorry we messed up the calculations they were basically just said like hey like every product if you ordered it after a certain date and you haven't got it yet it's going to cost like 165 dollars i can't remember how much it was it wasn't significant but there was no real explanation about it um in terms of yeah and and everyone just eats it and the point is once you're in pinball, I'm sure there there people will say, hey, I know some guy who was really into pinball and he had 20 machines and then he just like got out completely. He was just like, fuck this, fuck this hobby, I'm out. That is a very rare occurrence and it's because of everything else that pinball involves. You know, the community, people you know, they become your friends. Leaving pinball um, or stopping collecting machines some, sometimes means that like you're, I guess, you're done with, with everything and... Um, what I'm saying is that because we're all friends, we can't get out of pinball, and that's why everyone's fleecing us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying, and <laughs> I, I think Jeff's finding it boring because it went over his head. He didn't understand what you're saying. I, <laughs> I, I again, again, what you're saying there is, and and maybe I, no, you know what? I was gonna say maybe I'm being defensive because I'm in get the, to the industry. Point. Fuck off, you cunt. What I'm saying is. It's that language about, oh, they're fleecing people. Are they? Are they actually being these evil corporations that are fleecing people and, you know, using third world labour to make their machines and, oh, my God, they're awful. That Gary Stern is the devil. Is that really what it's about? I'll tell you what it's about. I'm fucking sick and tired of all this fucking price gouging. And Get out your wallets. Get out your wallets. I'm sick of it. It's time for our sponsor of the week. <laughs> Which no doubt will be about price gouging. <laughs> People have questioned these sponsors. Are they real or are you two just making fun? How dare they say that? We bring you deals from around the world and you think we're trying to crack a joke or make a quick buck? If you think we're full of it, go online right now and type in this week's sponsor, weirdshityoucanbuy.com. Christmas is coming and you need to find the perfect gift. WeirdShitYouCanBuy.com has it all, and we proudly endorse these fine products. Like the philosophic book, Can Holding a Fart Kill You? Or a holiday snow globe with two reindeer, fucking. There's the absent father action figure. Bigfoot's balls sour candy. We can't make this stuff up. Go to WeirdShitYouCanBuy.com today. All right, enough of this kind of marketplace talk, but we thought, you know, somebody had to do it on TPN because no one talks about Mm-hmm. marketplaces without obviously promoting their own distributorship uh coincidentally uh all everyone take a look at flipping out they do wonderful things i kid i kid what do you think of their marketplace thing you know the 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 price is up price is down it's hard for me to relate because i'm not buying a lot of these things i'm not looking on ebay and the marketplace do you listen to that it's pretty popular i do like it and i actually find it quite interesting but i also look at any prices that they mentioned in the US and I don't feel that they relate to what's going on here. I don't know if you feel the same, Ryan. Yeah, he should definitely have an Australian version. But <laughs> no, I think I think the um I think the segment works because it's just the, the banter between Dennis and, and Zach. It has nothing to do with the actual content. It's just Dennis rolling his eyes at Zach being an idiot, and I think they both know that. Ryan, we kind of passed over it, but uh Jesse was on last week. What did you think when we were talking about the now defunct Jesse J's Pinball Podcast? Are you are you announcing it dead, Jeff? Again? Mm, I didn't get a strong feel. Did you, Marty, get a strong feeling from Jesse that it was coming back? I didn't get a feeling at all that it had gone. It's just not on air. 
do we have to talk about this every single time that yes, I fucking we come do. on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> obviously. Fine, Ryan. Let's talk about your dates. <laughs> we'll switch it up. Let's. Where, where have you walked lately? Where? What mountain have you climbed? What beaches have you strolled on? Go ahead. <laughs> we'll switch it up. Um, I've been hiking in the Lerdeberg National Park. It's a good one. Mm, yeah. Cathedral Ranges. Yeah. Yeah. Great hikes there. What was that video call I got? What was that about? This is podcast content. Um, I was just bored on the way home from like. A, How would a, you know? You haven't done a podcast in forever. Go on. <laughs> Um, and my friend just grabbed my phone and started ringing random people that were online on, on Messenger, and you just happened to be one of them, Marty, that picked up the call. Mm, okay. Yeah. But no one's going to know what we're talking about, but yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. fucking great content. Well done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we got four people there that cared about that. All right. I'll keep on. I'll talk about Jesse J if you want. If that's, if that's like the options is uh, Ryan's dating life or Jesse J. Yeah. Um, I do a podcast. It's just like I'm super busy. She's super busy. She has a super important job now where she can't probably say the things that she used to be able to say. And yeah, I don't know. Is it is it worth doing because of all that? Like if you if you couldn't say drop the the C bomb, Marty, would you do this podcast? I have never said in my life. <laughs> I'm gonna forget one of these in editing. <laughs> I know it. I know. Okay, you don't want to talk about that? I'll talk about the last time you were on this podcast, Ryan C. And I'm trying to do quality content, give the people what they want, and it's really the insight into how Marty thinks and who does he love and who does he despise. And you piped in. When I'm trying to get Marty's thoughts, it was between Stuart and Greg at Haggis, and you gave Marty the out, the answer, the Inspector Gadget bullshit. Keep your yap shut, all right? If we ever do that program again, and you happen to be on the show, just let Marty give us thoughts. I, like Ryan, if I ask you a question, name three people in pinball you love. I want to hear from you, not Marty. So who are three people you love? Okay, three people that I love in pinball. Um, there's Lyman Sheets. Yeah. There's good old uh, Roger Sharp. Of course. Uh, the third. Let's go Gaz. Let's go Gaza. Who? Who's Gaza? Gary, Gary Stern, Gaz. Lyman Sheets, Roger Sharp, Gary Stern. Three wonderful human beings in pinball. Now again, I'm asking you this, Ryan. Marty won't say anything. But if I were to say to you, Ryan, it's time to play fuck, (laughs) marry, or kill. You've got Lyman, you've got Roger, and you've got Gary Stern. (laughs) Go ahead, Ryan. See, see, now now Marty, Marty, you don't have to do anything. Isn't this nice? Okay. The the kill one is very... Ah, do I have to use the word kill? You could say murder. The, <laughs> the manslaughter is um is Gary Stern because he's li- he's lived a I think he's lived a, a decent life and Ooh, you know like I, I see I, the I, forums I, lighting up right now. Go on. I, I think he's he's had his you know he's had his fair fair share of wow. wines on the vodka. Okay, so and then it's it's fuck and and marry. So. Marry means someone that you, yeah, okay. I'm. You have to marry one, you have to bang one, and you have to kill one. And you've already dusted Gary Stern. Wow. Ah, uh, the okay. I feel like Roger is just an, an amazing gentleman, uh, and I don't think he would be a very good root. So um, I would, <laughs> I would, I would like to well, marry him because I think I is. would just it'd be a, a long lasting relationship. And you would any argument you'd have with Roger Sharp, you'd be able to sort out, and he'd be just an absolute great partner to have in life Lyman Sheets I heard he fucking he goes so I would fuck Lyman Sheets okay are we keeping this in Jeff 
Hundred percent. Marty, isn't it nice not to have to answer these questions for once? I expect that I am going to at some stage. Well, all right, since you asked, Eric. (laughs) After doing this podcast for such a long time with you, I know what to expect. We didn't kill anyone last podcast. We just put them on Exile Island. We didn't kill anybody. They aren't going to survive the island. Why is that, Jeff? Why is that, Jeff? Because they were female? Is that why you didn't kill them? Because you can't have dead females on the side art of your fucking (laughs) community? Is that what's going on? You can. You just have to explain what it's for. Uh, that would make it a little, a because little context they're in would battle, help. You fucking idiots. That's why. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> it's in bad taste. Bad taste. Listen, I, I'm never going to tell anybody they shouldn't feel the way they feel. How come no one complains in the Titanic when they're like, the fucking boat is sinking. Women and children first. They're like, yeah, women and children first. How about the fucking? Or uh, how about the class of people? You know, the <laughs> if you spent more on your ticket, <laughs> sorry. You know, you get the lifeboat where everyone else is kind of caged in. Yeah, I know. There's there's this violence everywhere. But we're not about that until we talk to Marty. Marty, you love to drive. I know when you took Anne and I up whatever that mountain was in Australia and you pretended it was like the Autobahn mm-hmm. and you were just like going, I don't know, 200 miles an hour, whatever it was. The Whatever that white knuckle ride was, your careless driving has finally caught up to you and your brakes are shot. When you go that fast, you hit the brakes, boom, pads gone, rotors, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. So... You're trying to hit the brake, and unfortunately, it's not working. In front of you is a group of people. <laughs> okay. The salt of the earth. These are people that make your favorite gin. Okay. You're not running into them, so you have to swerve left or right. And on the left-hand side, you've got Stephen Bowden. On the right-hand <laughs> side, you've got Raymond Davidson. Two people in the pinball industry, two great players, two wonderful people, guests of this show. I already know you're not running into the gin makers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you swerving left and taking out Steve? Are you taking out Raymond and why? Ryan, shut up. No, I, I, I don't need an out for this. Um, I would say that for, for me personally, I would be saving Steve Bowden and a very good reason. But my very first time over in America playing a tournament, my very first time meeting pinball people in America, I was this wide-eyed Aussie, super enthusiastic, really fucking obviously annoying and, you know, just wanted to to speak to people and was like, oh, my God, there's some famous people. And I went and said hello to all these people I knew, including Raymond Davidson and Stephen Bowden. Wow. Only one of those two people answered back and had a conversation with me. So who's that? Stephen Bowden. Yep. Yep. Had a really good chat with him, and I'm going to save him because that was my first experience. <laughs> so I remember a similar conversation about um, Keith Owen when you saw him, Marty, for the first time. <laughs> Do you want to revisit that one? Oh, no. I, 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 the very first person I saw when I got to Indisc was Keith Owen, and, <laughs> and he finished playing a game and he walked by, and I went, hi, Keith, and he just looked at me and walked straight past me. Didn't even acknowledge my wow. existence look me in the eye and just walk straight past and thus the first person you killed on who will marty save <laughs> <laughs> i don't forget these things so oh you're here to judge and hold grudge that is marty robbins <laughs> i was born judging that's what i do so i just didn't realize <laughs> it was going to be killing people so you know i thought it was just innocent being judgmental but meh. 
whatever. Okay, you two judges, tell me, what's going on with Spooky Pinball? What's, what, what is going on with Spooky Pinball? Do you have some I inside mean, information, news. Jeff? No, it might be old news. No, it might be old news by now, but Bowen Karen's oh, yeah. his posts. Yeah. You know, the Halloween game, the Ultraman games. Did you see Carl D'Angelo's stream of Halloween? Yeah, he he didn't enjoy it is what I'd heard. Or, or maybe he got- or, That's an understatement. Or maybe he got, got to the end of the game really quickly or something. I can't remember. What oh, so you didn't see it. Uh, just it didn't work. There were some, some issues. Yeah, okay. Over and over again. Well, that's un- unfortunate. It is unfortunate. We all are huge fans of the Emery's and wanted to see that do well and all their games do well. But you have to have a favorite and you have to have a least favorite. And this one's- uh, It's just unfortunate that people ha- happen to, to see it. Um, I still remember, side note, doing a live, I don't know if you ever saw it, Ryan, my first live stream of installing Penn Stadiums. And it went so badly and I fucked up my machine that I cut the stream and then deleted the file. Because <laughs> I just didn't want anyone to ever see what I'd done. And that's, that's one of those things when you've got a game that's out there. It's like, fuck, hopefully it goes well. And sometimes it doesn't. That is the difficulty of streaming. There are so many people that stream, so if something goes wrong, it gets shared, let's say. Uh, Pinside will be all over it. I don't think it's harmed them in any way, though, really, has it? I don't know. The games are sold out, so yeah. in that sense, no. But it, it might harm the next game. That's the, the market maybe. we're in, you know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Slightly less confidence. So, so what's, what's the thoughts, then, on Bo and Karen's leaving? Why do we, why, what happened there? Don't know. Don't want to speculate, but... I mean, he has a full-time gig anyway, so it was more of a, I guess, consulting. Oh, I always thought that was his full-time job now. No. No, because he's certainly not living there, and I never gathered that it was his full-time job. Okay. Who knows? Uh, Well, maybe we should get Charlie or some of the Emery's on again and and find out what's going on, because uh, we certainly are interested in what they do. Well, again, look, having now being really close to somebody that does code for a living being Greg Silby... It's a full-time job. There is so much that goes into this stuff that it would, I thought it would have been a full-time job for him. But I guess it depends on the frequency of games that come he out. He wasn't coding. He was, he, I don't think. Yeah, Bowen he was just doing code, rules. So he designs the rules. But I guess that's the weird thing about the hobby now is that, um, people like, ah, oh, the greatest thing about Texas Pinball Festival and the hobby is that you get to go up and you get to talk to these designers. And, and now like with podcasts being such a thing and, and, us being so lucky to have access to these people, we get invested. Like, uh, you know, if a coder or a designer left Bally Williams in the in the 90s, do you think anyone really would have cared or no? Like, oh my gosh, Cameron Silver doesn't work. Cameron Silver doesn't work for Bally anymore. Like, who? Maybe a couple of names people knew, but everyone knows everyone now. So, you know, when uh, Steve Bowden gets a job at American Pinball, we're quite invested and everyone's like, cool, Steve is now somewhere where you can design rule sets and do well there. But, I don't think we're going to hear the story is what I'm trying to get out of <laughs> why, you know, why, why Bowen Kieran left if he's, if he was announced to be a rules consultant when they were selling machines and there's like screenshots of that on, on Pinside. And then he says that he's no longer working with them. So obviously things didn't go to plan. I don't think yeah, I either don't party is going to say, oh, this happened and we got into an argument. And, and this is, this is, I don't know the situation. So this, I'm just saying you're not going to find out. Has Ben Heck commented on it yet? Has he? Uh... <laughs> I don't think so. Well, you know, we did have Charlie on back in the summer here on Final Round. And when was summer? Which summer? Oh, fuck. You don't know your seasons. Holy cow. What, what North month American was it? summer. What month was it? June, July, somewhere in there. Okay, cool. That's our summer. Cool. Cool. Just making sure. 
for the five Australians listening. Mm-hmm. We're an hour in, they're hammered anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> when we mentioned Bowen Karens, Charlie kind of sidestepped it. He didn't say anything because it probably wasn't public at the time, but he mentioned other people and didn't really elaborate. So I should have maybe clued in then. But anyway, we wish all the best for Spooky. Well, it's not just Bowen. There's other people as well that aren't involved, but um, I don't think people have made official official statements. So yeah, there are changes at Spooky going on, but let's leave it up to them. As I said, this is not like changes are happening. Do you want to buy the next machine? Like everyone has already bought it. So mm-hmm. you're along for the ride. That's what you committed to. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Just, just on a side note, can you remember, Ryan, early days of Head to Head when we were so excited that we were going to get Cameron Silver on the show and he did a no-show and we were so devastated because it was going to be like our first major scoop? Remember that? Because <laughs> we were going to ask him about John Papaduke. We were like, he's the guy who... And I had questions. I had a quiz for him. It was uh, like, here's all the outlandish shit that happens in, in pinball now. What what is true or false? And I, I was going to stump him um, with a bunch of crazy things that people buy limited edition machines for because that guy's yeah was totally removed. But then yeah, he literally just didn't rock up the bastards. <laughs> that David Van Ness is no longer with Spooky either. No. Yeah. True. Really. Yeah. I yeah, didn't know that. He me- he messaged me the other day. I didn't know that. Um. Yeah. His. I I had a chat to him, and yeah, he's no longer working there. Oh, you did. You did have a chat with Dave. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, as I said, I just don't know. I, I'm just trying to work out whether it's official or not. It's 100% as in like it's official like he thing, but he, he didn't say like what so happened. So basically he- what's happened with Spooky, I, I mean, I, I guess this is what I was fishing for. Charlie's not the guy anymore. I guess it's the kids. That's what I heard, but it just doesn't make sense. Like why would the kids be in charge of everything? Like how is, is Charlie and his wife really that inept that they can't run the pinball company and the kids are like, we got to stage a coup and get these guys out of here. because No, it's not a coup. It's maybe a transfer of power. But Charlie would have to give that up. Like his kids couldn't just do that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's a way that we can kind of talk about it without actually saying that. <gasps> yeah. No, all this is out anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't. As I said, Dave Van Ness messaged me the other day, and I just didn't maybe know. he's maybe he's looking looking for work, Marty. Give him a call anyway. Ryan, what else is new on Pinside? I know last time you came on this program, you were all about what was happening on Pinside. So, uh, <laughs> what's what's the latest? Apparently, you're still an asshole, Jeff. Um, mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I haven't logged in. By into- the way, that deep root thread is still fucking going. I mean. Every other post is by Blueberry Johnson or Ben Heck, but I mean, it's still going. It's pretty significant. Like, however, I've actually forgotten. I've almost deleted it from my memory. Deep Root seems like a, a long time ago, but was it 58 million? Or am I just making that number up? Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of money. It's significant. People be talking about it for ages. People still talk about the collapse of. Actually, they, I was about to say belly blooms, but that's the machines are still out. I'm, I'm on three hours sleep. I'm on less sleep than you, Jeff, so. Thanks for, uh, you know, putting in the effort here on this program. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, you knew about this for weeks, whatever. Three hours sleep, thanks. <laughs> I should have, when people were at my house yesterday, I should have said, hey. Get out! I know we haven't seen each other and hung out for six months, but I have a fucking podcast tomorrow with Jeff Teolas. Can you get the fuck out of my house? Is that what you wanted, Jeff? And they would have said, oh, that guy who won the big, they, that's right. They would have said, fucking right, we're out of here. Did you know that two people were wearing mm-hmm. those t-shirts, Jeff? Disgusting. Really? It's disgusting. <laughs> Give, you, like, make people pay the fucking mission, but you're literally making them pay for the t-shirts so people are advertising you nonstop. Oh. 
What a what a brilliant marketing strategy. Oh, yeah, you're good the point. fleecer, Jeff. You're the fleecer in the market. Yeah. Or you know what? Maybe it was just a way of saying, you know, thanks for playing. Here's something to remember that tournament by. You know, a nice little keepsake as opposed to just gouging for money. Like Marty, Jeff can work in marketing and PR. He, he can fucking do it all. Yep. Apparently. Hire him. Aren't they the same thing? <laughs> no. Is it? No, oh, yeah, probably. Not. That's like saying, I like country and Western music. <laughs> no. They are different, but whatever. There's a bit of a crossover there. Sure there is. Ryan, I know you were big into competition pinball before the Ian pandemic. It's back now that your lockdown's over. I've been getting back into it since August. And in fact, uh, Germany, Chicago, Florida, enjoying some of these big tournaments. Is everyone getting back into it in Australia? Is it still slow? What is it going to be the same as it once was? Is it going to be bigger? It is smaller at the moment, Jeff. Like it was gaining momentum kind of coming into 2020, early 2020. And uh, I guess the interrupted in and out of lockdowns hasn't enabled us to pick up enough um, enough momentum. So last week was the first official IFPA tournament. Two of the four monthly tournaments are still around. The other two, the businesses have, have shut down. And that's pretty significant because geographically, like these things are run on weekdays and geographically like not everyone can get to a certain point of the city if you're on the wrong side of the city traffic is just is just too much and if a tournament starts at 7 p.m it's yeah it's not happening so uh, golden fleece was one in in the city that a lot of people get to that's not happening anymore so just those little things like that so it's going to take an effort from i guess everyone or, or key people in the hobby to you know create new locations but also you know once we have these locations it's yeah, me and Marty have talked about it to death. You know, like how do you how do you invite people into the hobby in a competitive environment, and and how do they stick around? Like they have to have a good experience. So it isn't, you know, we're we're so far behind now. I think, and I know we can do it, and we can we can bring it back. But um, we have we have less locations, we have less people. It it'll take a while. I think. Uh, yeah, next year will be a, a regrowth year for us in in the Melbourne scene. But things are, are, are flourishing in in Queensland. Uh, you know, north of north of Australia. So, yeah, people will keep on growing in Australia. It's just a just a little a little hurdle, and because of all the prices as well, I, I, don't, I don't know if <laughs> we're all going to be playing the latest and greatest pinball machines all the time. I still haven't played Led Zeppelin. There's none on location in in Melbourne. The the list of people that will cite new machines, it math just doesn't really add up anymore to buy a new machine for I think it's ten thousand six hundred dollars. And people play it for two dollars, and then complain that you know it's a dollar up in Queensland, two dollars in in Melbourne. Yeah, it's an uphill battle, but we can do it, Jeff. We can do it, me and you. But you're renting machines more than putting them on location, or doing a combination of both. Correct? That's still going strong. It's still going strong, and I guess maybe that's the you know the silver lining of not the silver lining, but yeah, I guess the more expensive pinball machines are, the more it makes sense to rent them or try before you buy. And people have, have done that. And I would love to have a chat to these manufacturers and say, hey, can I like buy every new pinball machine off you at a discounted price? Because I'm literally like a, I'm traveling this machine around and giving it to people and they are falling in love with it and getting invested into <laughs> it. And then they, and then they're, and they're fucking buying it. Like I've sold, like I know that I've rented. Three? <laughs> no, no, more, more than that. Marty, did you hear that? 
hey, pinball companies, can you sell me discounted games? Because I am. <laughs> He's a pinball tycoon. Give me a cut. I'll sell people like, will you sell this pinball machine to me? And I'll say no, because I don't want to sell it to you. And then they'll go buy one brand new. So why would I not be able to say, well, I'll, yeah, cool. You can mm. buy it. I'll give you a brand new one. And then I'll yeah. make a hit on it. It's like called being a distributor, I guess. But the system wow. is, is fucked in Australia. No, you don't. You don't like that? No, that's all you, Ryan. I mean, you're forgetting the point that they asked you to rent a pinball machine. So the interest was already there in the hobby. But it's because of you. It's because of you putting in the game. No, hey, you're- no one else is renting pinball machines, Jeff, for the prices that I'm doing. for. I get that. But they already had the interest there. No, not necessarily. You're right, Ryan. You're getting people that are getting like new into the hobby that are renting first, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. People like if you. It's a different segment, sure. I'll give you that. But but they could also go to a distributor and flip it for a bunch of times. Go, geez, I really like this. I could spend an hour there. The more and, okay. exposure there is to pinball, Jeff. Just in general, the more people are going to buy machines, and I'm exposing people in, oh. a, in a more intimate way than putting two dollars and getting pissed off on location. And you're driving up the cost. It's your fault. <laughs> It's all, you know, I'm kidding. Marty, I think he wants a badge or something. <laughs> well, you're already a stern army representative or something, aren't you? Are you have you leveled up yet? I've, le- I've leveled up. I think it's based on time, not the amount of, or maybe it's based on tournaments. I don't know. I got the, the badge during, during COVID times, but I've, I'm at, the, at, at a different level. And, but they, they send you the patch and you're meant to like sew it onto an article of clothing. But I... Unlike other pinball people, I wear different clothes usually to each event, so I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to wear the same thing every single time I go to a pinball tournament. So I don't really know how to deal with with what they <laughs> they send me. You'll never be a top five hundred player yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with this wardrobe of yours. How dare you? I suppose you use deodorant too. Forget it, Ryan. <laughs> Do pinball people really stink? Because I've been to the big conventions and I've I haven't smelt someone smell that bad do i have a blocked nose like what's going on like it's 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 such a, a common Marty? joke yes they do don't they who's Marty? the smelliest person in pinball jeff at expo it was me <laughs> crop crop dusting all over the place no well there's that that's more that's more a competition strategy when you're behind in a ball and you leave a duster smoke <laughs> that's that's different no but because i travel on an airplane and just have a carry-on bag and you're only allowed certain amount of uh, liquids and all that kind of stuff in the bag. I use normally every day a gel antiperspirant and not deodorant, antiperspirant. And I couldn't find a travel size one, but I could find a travel size deodorant one. Flew to Chicago. I'm playing pinball for hours and hours and hours. End of the night, I'm like, what the hell's that? Oh shit, that's me. <laughs> I was like, oh God. And I remember saying to Kate Martin, I go, I'm pretty embarrassed, but I think I got some pretty bad BO going on. She goes, give me a hug. Let me see. Yeah, you're a little rank. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Couldn't anyway. you go up? Couldn't you just go to I your- could have gone to a drugstore and got one. Not but I drugstore. Go have a shower, you dirty fucking Canadian. Listen, I shower in the morning, but 14, 15 hours later of playing pinball and being indoors, that deodorant didn't hold up. Any person's good the whole time. Anyway, lesson learned. <laughs> I'm just, I'm kind of dumbfounded that you couldn't take a break from Pinball Expo to go. Was your, were you staying in the, in the same no, place? No, I wasn't thing? staying at that hotel. I 100% would have done exactly what you All said. Right. I was staying well, then you're quite a distance maybe away. Maybe excuse. A anyway, bit. I apologize to everyone at Expo that got a little too close. <laughs> I mean, Marty, people stink, don't they? Um, I mean, obviously the answer is yes, but not everybody. I mean, I want numbers. Are you saying the majority of people have, uh, stink? Is that what you're saying? Right. 
but but they all stink. I, I just want want to clarify whether the bubbles burst with deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! No more of this. Just uh, whimsical <laughs> chat. Just uh, opinions. It's got to be all. I love me some good speculation, but sometimes, sometimes I'd love some evidence. That's all I'm saying. So when we post this, would you do an Excel spreadsheet on smell versus shower ratios? <laughs> Ryan knows I loves me a spreadsheet. Matty's got a shit list of all the people, all the tournaments he won't go to because smelly people are, are there. And that's why he just doesn't, doesn't come to tournaments anymore. He just runs one, <laughs> a, one a year. He's just, he's just done. He can, yeah. yeah. You know what? A little sneak preview of our next show. I mean, I can't promise the guest will come on because they may have been killed in this episode by Marty, but little sneak peek. We're going to talk about tournaments and the one thing at each specific tournament that would make it better. And some might need more than one. Some, it might be a struggle to find. But we've all played in tournaments. And we are grateful for the volunteers, the hours, the TDs, the techs, all those people for putting it on and giving us this enjoyment. But it doesn't mean there isn't room for improvement. And we're going to give one suggestion for some, some big, big, big tournaments. So I'll give you an example, because here's one we won't have on our next podcast. And you both can comment. Brisbane Masters. If you could improve one thing about that, Marty, Ryan, you've both been there. Give one suggestion. It's not a criticism, but run it in Melbourne. <laughs> Good answer. Get out of the Gold Coast, that Dr. John territory. No, is there something you would do? Is it too long because of the number of days? For me, I would move it away from the horse poo. <laughs> How do you know that's not the players that stink? Mm. I've there were been giant around them. lumps of horses. It was no, actually that was that was that was in 2019, I think it was right. So it it is at a new location. The only one now, I've been to. Location. Yeah, there was like horse manure everywhere. It was around Ecker, which is the equivalent of like the Melbourne Royal Melbourne Show. Actually, people won't know what that is either. Um, it's like a fuck, buddy. How do you describe this Ecker? It's like a farm. Farm comes to the city, and people see horses. Yeah, and- there's rides and there's exhibitions, and you can buy cows and buy horses, and it's yeah, it is. They, they're always in the city, and there's show bags and all that kind of stuff. But it's like a, it's like a big country fair, but it's in the city. Yeah, and then they they managed to get some space, which was pretty amazing because it kind of exposed. Pinball, I, I guess you know, it was on on TV, and um, because everyone's kind of there at Ecker, um, but the the place that the the room, the hall that it was in, was kind of next to where a certain amount of uh, horses were, like the, the like temporary stables, uh, or like a like a, a thoroughfare for horses. So there was just if you exited out of the back instead of the front, it's just it the, the horse shit smell was wafting in. But I mean. It's fine. Like that, that was a big deal, and it's not there anymore. So no, and that, my my point is like that's something that's out of their control. I wouldn't change Brisbane Masters. I reckon, I reckon they've nailed it. Oh, is that a Jimmy Nails joke? Oh, it was. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. That's funny because uh, I was thinking about Indisc too. And Marty, you've been there. I've been there. What would be the one thing you would change about that tournament? And I already told Carl this. I said, I've got one. He goes, oh, let me know. It doesn't matter because they've moved. The one thing that drove me nuts about Indisc, and the only thing, was the lack of food uh, options. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's yep. it. And now, the new place, forget it. There's tons. So just like Jimmy Nails and, and Brisbane Masters, they've addressed the horse shit <laughs> situation, which is good for when I come. The crop dusting will work more effectively. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, same for Indisc. What were you going to say, Ryan? I was going to say that I, I don't think I'm in a position to, to criticize Brisbane Masters because it is so far ahead of any other uh, tournament in Australia. It's not like, oh, which one do you like better, Indisc or... Actually, I don't even know what the Indisc equivalent is anymore and since so many tournaments have been cancelled. But it's um, it's in a league of its own and they know more about running pinball tournaments than anyone in Australia because they they just they run more and the, the community is bigger there. So, yeah, I don't think anyone in Australia could, could criticise Brisbane Masters. Maybe don't don't allow, you know, little prepubescent teenagers to come and take a lot of whoppers, maybe? No American teens. Brisbane Masters, a new rule. Yeah, I like it. That's a good one. Sorry, Colin. Sorry, Asher. They're taking our fucking whoppers and they're taking our women as well. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any tournament that's run in Australia where a North American shown up and that person didn't win it? Because I don't know of any Australians who've won their own tournament. I'd say there's hmm. probably lots of them because we're only thinking of Brisbane Masters, but there was also 10 events in Brisbane Masters and I don't think they won all of them. Most of them. I think some random person won the flip frenzy. <laughs> there you go. So not all of them. There you go. There's your answer. Yeah, he worked at the horse manure factory, so he was used to it. And it just took the other players a little longer to get in. Okay, got it. Hey, if you want to send us an email or uh, I guess look at our Instagram, Twitter, all those kind of good things, where can people go? You tell us, Jeff. I don't fucking know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know we're on Facebook. I know we're on these things. Final Round Pinball at gmail.com. Final Round Pinball Podcast on Instagram. At Final Round Pin on Twitter. There you go. I just cut and paste when I do the posts. I probably should read. There could be a typo in there. <laughs> I'm presenting them to something ridiculous. Uh, this is probably the last time I'm going to hear from you, Ryan, on this podcast for this calendar year. But are we going to get the Christmas head-to-head show? I'm asking. Are you asking me or Marty? Both of you. He's asking you. I think you've got like a God complex, Jeff. You like you have the ability to destroy pinball podcasts and you feel like you have the ability to create pinball podcasts as well why don't why don't you just decide for us okay hold on a second i'll use my odin voice you are going to do a head-to-head pinball podcast (laughs) i was was so hoping it was gonna go that way (laughs) more of that on legends of a hollow everybody make sure you buy Talk to your distributor now. Can you, give, can you give me a triple super jackpot in Odin's voice? Triple super jackpot! <laughs> oh, baby! <laughs> Ignore the side art! <laughs> <laughs> There's more to the story! <laughs> oh my god, I'm crying! <laughs> All right. Uh, Have a good one, boys. That's it. Thanks, Ryan. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Marty. Go to sleep. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll speak to you again very soon and possibly on Head to Head as well. Yes, they will. Is Haggis hiring voices? I, I got a few. Oh my god! Press play on Celts! Yay! <laughs> Ooh, a mermaid! Ah! <laughs> I've got to buy extra code. What the fuck? <laughs> All right, that's it. Oh, Bye, everyone. God. Bye. Uh, I'm actually crying. See ya. See you guys. Uh, bye.